The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. Do you know how many times you influence people that, not just the friends, the family, the cousins, brothers and sisters, but you know how many people you influence that you don't even know? You don't even know them. Matter of fact, you never even met them. But you are influencing them. Their life, their future in a tremendous way. Dallas, Texas. I would say 15 years ago. There was no religious shul in Dallas, Texas 15 years ago. None. And there, the rabbi, he simply ran the services, Shachrit, Minchan, Arbit, out of his living room as a makeshift place because there was no shul, there was no building. One day, in the middle of Shachrit, the living room of the rabbi's house, Dallas, Texas, a man who no one ever saw before, he comes walking into the living room and he says, are you the rabbi? The rabbi says, yes, I am. He says, well, rabbi, I think it's time that we build a religious synagogue here in Dallas, Texas. I'm willing to give you the money to buy the building. When a rabbi hears that, they don't say Anna that day. There's no Tahanun. We say Yishem. I mean, you want to give me the building? You want to pay for the building? Well, he says, actually, I was looking at a building. Real estate then was very downtrodden in Texas. $50,000. The guy says, $50,000? He pulls out a check and he writes out $50,000. Hands it to the rabbi. Go buy the building. It's time that Dallas, Texas gets a synagogue, a religious synagogue for the people to use. The rabbi was ecstatic. Never met the guy before in his life. Walks in out of nowhere. Hands him a trek for $50,000. He's going out to buy the building. Well, the building he did buy. The shul he did build. The shul flourished. Today, it's still kayam. It's still existing. The very first religious synagogue in Dallas, Texas. However, the donor... This man, the one who paid the $50,000, tragically, two years later, suddenly passed away with a mahala, with a sickness. And by the funeral, the mother of this guy, the mother got up and said, I want people to hear something about my son. And she said the following. She said, my son was a successful young professor in the college here in Dallas, Texas. And one day, because he was a travel buff, he loved to travel. He traveled basically the world. He went everywhere already from Paris to Vienna. He went everywhere. And he said to himself, you know what? I'm going to go to Israel. Just to travel. So he signed up with one of those non-religious tours. You know the tours that for 14 days, they show you every flower that's in the Golan, every rock that's in the Hermon, they'll teach you and show you everything but what Israel really is. God forbid to show you anything religious-oriented. Till the last day. The last day they felt, I mean, they had people already, 14 days, all over Israel, in every back street, in every Arab shuk, in every banyas, in every tubing, in every kayaking. Let them at least see a little of what Israel really is. So the last day, they took them to the Kotel. She says, my son told me that when he went to the Western Wall, he walked up to the wall and he could not imagine leaving. There was a feeling there. There was electricity there. That for him was overwhelming. 
It was as if, as if his neshama was activated. As if he was floating. He said he could not get enough of it. He was loving it. Why don't we come here earlier? He said to the tour guide. And there he touched the wall. And it touched him. And there he was flourishing for the first time a taste of what a Jew really is. And he felt Kiddushah. And then he turned to his right. And there was a Yerushalmi man. Hasidi. With beautiful long peot. With the long black coat. Traditional. And a long white beard. And a hat. And this Yerushalmi man. Standing over Tehillim. Was praying. But with such emotion. With tears. He was pleading before Borei Olam. And this guy was watching. And he said to himself, I've never seen somebody pray like that before in my entire life. Wow, what a moving emotional experience. If he's praying that way, there has to be something real that he's praying to. Nobody prays that way to something that doesn't exist. I want to pray like this guy. So he started asking the tour guide, tell me, what type of Jew is this guy? I want to be like him. The tour guide said, oh, that guy, that's, uh, you know... Uh, Ultra-Orthodox religious Jew. The guy says, ah, wonderful. I want to be an ultra-Orthodox religious Jew. When I go back to Dallas, Texas, I'm going to look up the first, if there's any, ultra-religious Orthodox synagogues. I want to be like this guy. I want to be like the praying that this guy, I want to pray like him. Gets back on the plane. 14 days of touring is over. Comes back to Dallas, Texas. Only to find out, as the mother explained, there was no religious Jewish synagogues. But he heard that there's a religious rabbi, and the rabbi conducts services in his living room. So immediately he went to the rabbi's house, she said. And it was then that he walked into the rabbi's living room. Now we're getting the rest of the story. He walked into the rabbi's living room. And he said, Rabbi, it's time for Dallas, Texas, to have a religious Orthodox synagogue. I'm going to give you the money. I want there to be a place that I can come to, that I can pray in, that maybe, just maybe, one day, I can be like that guy that I saw in Israel. The way he prayed is the way I want to pray. With the same feeling and emotion. He looked alive. I want to pray like that. And sure enough, the rabbi went and built that synagogue, as we said. And only a few years later, this man passed away. Now I ask you, this Yerushalmi Jew in Israel, who was standing by the Kotel that night, does he have any idea that this guy was watching him praying? No. Does this Yerushalmi Jew, let alone that he didn't know someone was watching him pray, does he have any idea that this person who was watching him pray, picks himself up, gets on a plane, flies back to America, goes to Dallas, Texas, and opens up a synagogue because of what he saw, the prayer of this guy? Does this Yerushalmi Jew know that someone was watching him? That that someone went to the other side of the world and built a shul in his honor? He has no clue. But look at the influence. Look what he brought out of another Jew. Look what he did. Do you have to be a leader to do that? Do you have to have the outgoing personality? The devonir smile? The manicured nails? To be able to move people? No! You know what you have to do? You have to make yourself a Kiddush Hashem. 
I'm not talking about going out to others. Go out right here to home. To start with ourselves first. To make ourselves something that will be a machine for influence. That when people will see us, when another Jew sees us, they'll look at us and they'll say, yeah, that girl, that guy, great person. Wonderful. The midot they have is unbelievable. The hesed they do is incredible. I want to be like them. What family does she come from? What family does she come from? Who's her father? Who's his mother? What yeshiva did this guy go to? I want to send my kids there. That's the true power of influence. It happens at times with people that you don't even know they're looking at you. You don't even have a clue that they're actually watching you. But yet, the influence you have on a fellow Jew is one of such an extent that one day you'll be surprised when we come up to Shamaim and they show us the videotape of how many people were really watching you and you had no clue. And they were so taken by you. And they were saying to themselves, I want to be like you. Look at you. You're going to seminary. I wish I can go to seminary. I wish I could continue to grow. Take a look at you. You're doing tzedakah. You're in an organization. You're doing chesed. I wish I can be like you. They look at the guys, like other guys. I'm going. Start life, one of the boys tell me. Really? What are you going to do? You're ready for life. This is life. This is the big L-I-F-E. What are you going to do? What do you mean, Rabbi? I'm opening my first cell phone store. Amen. Life with excitement. And then he sees another guy that picks himself up and decides, you know what? I'm going to Israel for a year to learn. I'm going to make something out of myself. And on the outside, because of the guy pride, he puts him down. Eh, religious. Okay. But on the inside, on the inside he's saying, Ah, I'd love to go too. And how many times we see that? How many times people who are looking at us, watching us, taking in everything we do, and they say to themselves, I'd like to be like that person. And we motivate them to greatness. And we don't even know we're doing anything at all. That's the power of influence. That's the power of the person that one day after 120 years will be able to say, that's me. I saved myself from Yetzer Haran Galut. And I saved the people around me as well. Simply by being something that they could look at and say, that's a Torah Jew. Look how wonderful their ways are. I want to become religious because look at my friend who became and is so wonderful. And I could see a difference. There's so much more of a refinement, so much more classy, so much quality. I love what she turned into. I want to be like her. That's a power of influence that a thousand speeches from the best of rabbis could never bring to. Because it's pure, it's honest, and it came from the person with love. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.